Boston.com, the Boston Podcast Network. It's the Josh JP Philosophy. The show is supported by Red Dome Realty and the Legacy Financial Group. So here they are, Josh Cohen and JP Plunkett. What's up, everybody? This is David Yaz with the Boston Podcast Network. Producer Dave here to tell you that Josh and JP are back. And today, awesome guest, former New England Patriot and Boston College quarterback Scott Mutrin, currently of Learfield IMG. Gentlemen, I know I'm going to enjoy the conversation. Let's do it. Thank you. Scott, let me get started because uh, I have a few questions right off the bat. How did you – you're obviously – I've listened to you quite a bit on the Callahan podcast. I think you do an excellent job. Thank you. What? How did that start? You know, you obviously you have some um, experience. How did that come come to be? Well, what happened is the producer Dave Cullinane is a has mutual friend of mine and had recommended me to Jerry uh, a couple times and and there when they were still talking about sports and some other things, it was an opportunity to go on there and 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 kind of give give my thoughts and and feelings on some things and to weigh myself out and versus everybody so once uh i just got the opportunity to go in there i i, I guess i did an all right job and then he, he asked me to keep coming back so then i'd come back for some weekly spots and uh haven't done it in a while just because there really hasn't been a ton going on uh but maybe that'll change coming up in the future great and, and what's it like working with someone like that he's obviously a talent and a legend in the Boston sports talk radio arena. Yeah. Uh, Jerry is obviously, you know, well-known and, and very, uh, very provocative. He has such strong opinions and feelings on so many things and, and his view of the, and his view of the world is uh, it's, it's interesting to listen to. I, I don't necessarily always agree with all his stances on the certain things, but uh, he is very, he's very educated. He's very bright. He's very, uh, uh, he's very snappy with a lot of his thoughts and most thing he's very prepared for everything. Uh, that's the one thing I've noticed most is that every time we 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 get into there, uh, the things he's ready to discuss and the topics, he's very well read on and he's very, he's very educated and he's very uh, prepared for everything that he does. I think that's the, that's his most important, uh, impressive quality. And he's a dead ringer for JP Plunkett. If you hadn't noticed. <laughs> oh, he sure is handsome. <laughs> so uh, mute, uh, I guess a segue, but keeping in um, on the terms of um, legends, if, if Jerry Callahan is a legend, and I, I suppose he is, he's a, a Boston legend. You, um, in, in a somewhat direct way, as I remember, um, intertwined with another legend. When I was a senior at Boston College in 1993, I was sports editor of the Heights, and you were a senior at St. Ignatius uh, in Cleveland right around that time. And if I recall... It was you and Peyton Manning as um, the hot uh, quarterback recruits that everybody was seeking. Um, what was your interaction directly, if any, with Peyton? Or what, what was that all like, that the high school recruiting process when um, pretty much every school under the sun wanted you and him? Well, it was interesting because my neighbor uh, was actually friends with Archie Manning. He knew him, and I think he worked. He worked with him when Archie was playing, so I was able to get his contact information. And we actually talked a lot during the recruiting process, and maintained that kind of conversation where you're going on your visits. We actually were scheduled, I think, to go to the University of Florida together. And then I, <clears throat> I had uh, committed to Boston College. I was I planned on doing that, and and he had kind of made his decision on Tennessee. But we actually did have an overlap there. 
but we would discuss, you know, what, what schools we were looking at, what teams we liked. Um, you know, I remember when I said I was going to Boston college that he said that that was a good fit for my style of, of offense and stuff. But we definitely talked about what different coaches were saying and, and what the process was like and how it was kind of weird. He was always, uh, he was very in tune. I mean, this is pre, you know, pre cell phone and everything age. He was dialed in, like he was doing like big time fantasy stuff. And he was, he was very statistically organized and, uh, you know, we kept in touch through the, that recruiting process. And then we stayed in touch our first year in college, except I made the mistake of leaving my phone numbers on, uh, on my, uh, dorm door. Like I had them posted <laughs> and a mutual friend of ours who is a killer in commercial real estate decided to call him one night at 1230 in the morning, pretending to be me. And that kind of ended really our, our constant conversation to say the least. We, uh, we won't get into that, uh, rascal. <laughs> who, who is that person, JP? Uh, that's a fella by the name of, um, well, it could be one of two people. Well, um, and, and both of them played some phone number histrionics with me the other day. So, uh, as they push 50, their, um, childish banter hasn't changed, but that's, no, that, not one bit. that's what happens at Boston college. Um, an, another, um, quick Boston college point would be in um, Clinton Burton Jr. Um, a, a recruit. People are saying that he's um, the top recruit in the history of Boston college. And, and I, I say the, the following sincerely, perhaps he is. Um, but I have to say that Scott, you brand name wise were probably the other biggest name coming out of uh, high school. So, you know, what, what advice could you give this fella, have you met him? Have you talked to him? Or, you know, when you do inevitably talk to him, um, what can you tell this guy about how to settle into Boston college as a big name recruit coming out of high school? Well, I would say I haven't had the opportunity to speak with them that we're pretty, we're isolated. We're not even allowed to, you know, as for games this year, if we, you know, if they do happen, we're going to be in Chestnut Hill. We're not going to travel for any of the games. So our access to the athletes will be limited. As for the recruit, I, I, appreciate that and i'm sure a lot of the bc alums will say the one that p didn't pan out the most and were the most disappointing so i'm sure they'll be able to give that point as well <laughs> but for, for clinton it's it's more of you know be comfortable in your own skin and maintain your level of confidence um i've seen too many guys come in and that competition can intimidate some because the first time you fail as a 19 20 year old it's tough to deal with you don't really know how to make a coach's thoughts personally and to work hard on other people and to just get better every day find something to do uh to make yourself better i think those are those are great tips is that you you always need to be improving once you learn how to deal with those things and push through them it'll show you how successful you can be and josh why don't you um did you play miami um, you, yeah. I mean, you must All have, five. of course. Yeah, which, which, uh, what year did you, uh, what years were you there? You were there right so after. So I played, I started, um, it's actually, it's funny. You can, if you're bored, you can go on YouTube and the 96 game, the entire game is on, uh, YouTube. Jim Nance calling the game down there versus the 96, uh, Miami team. And then 98, uh, I played okay. against Miami, both, both in the I, orange bowl. I was there in 92 to 96 and, uh, so my best friend from college was the starting punter at that time, uh, Mike oh, Chrissy. And uh, speaking of college football, you know, I'm curious to see what your uh, thoughts are on this season. Obviously, conferences are now just playing within, in, within a conference. They're not playing outside conference. Most of them, I saw UConn yesterday, had uh, canceled their football program. Do you think of 
college football season is going to happen this year. Obviously, the the COVID is a lot worse in the South right now. What are your thoughts? You know, I I really do. I, I think there's just too much money and too much on the line for that for the season not to happen. UConn's a, a special situation that everyone wants to freak out about that, but you got to remember they're independent. How are they going to put a schedule together right, with right. no one playing on the conference? So I, I think that was a little overblown. Um, and I, I think it's going to be it's going to get done. Uh, there's, they're going to take safety precautions to make sure that the athletes can play. But I just think that there's too much money for the schools, uh, not just for their athletic programs, but for the, for the school funding uh, that's on the line for this if, if they don't get it done. So I, I expect the season to happen. A lot of people have been, are telling me to, to expect it to happen in the spring, which I think would be kind of a disaster because you're going to lose all the top talent because no one, anyone that's a first-round draft or second-round draft pick is not going to play. If you're right. playing in the spring, there's just too much money to risk for them. Well, but that that's a great point, and you know a hundred times more about this than, than I certainly do, but I, I, I'll respectfully disagree, I guess, as a fan. If it was just for one year, I would love to see right after the Super Bowl, up through, say, late May, college football, and then June, July, August, rest, a mini-mini training camp early to mid-September, and then, boom, start it up late September and then get back to normal in 2022. I, I think as a fan, it would be actually exciting. It would be sort of a good slot and give everything a chance to reboot. But I also follow exactly where you're going. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't – I think <laughs> – JP, I don't agree with that, and here's why. I mean, you have all these these guys sitting out bowl games now because they don't want to get injured. Christian McCaffrey started for, that. Right, they want to get ready for the combine. And, and, and then you have uh, – you know the, the the top quarterback is is wouldn't play if it was a spring season. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. So you know you have that that all these great quarterbacks that are going to be drafted. I guess twenty twenty one draft they wouldn't they wouldn't participate. Mute. Is there no chance that of that happening? No, there's a strong chance that that I, I know it's been talked about. I know that that's uh, something that a lot of schools are kind of anticipating at this moment. To tell you the truth, because of the restrictions, the travel restrictions, and everything that come with it, but. I, I think if, if you think if you think the bowl, if you disagreed with the bowl thing, you think the bowl thing has become somewhat of an epidemic, then spring football for college is going to be 10 times worse because it's just it just changes the fact you've already seen a couple guys opt out already from uh, Minnesota had a wide receiver opt out. Penn State, I believe, is linebacker uh, who's a top top five pick. He opted out to not play. So if you move this back, I wouldn't do it. If I was a first or second round graded player, there's just the the risk is just too high. It's just too high and too much money well, for that. Well, so the I good mean. news is they're going to play, whether it's fall or spring, and I think we'll we'll, we'll learn that soon. But let, let's dive in a bit to actually Boston College football for whatever, whether it's a 2020 or early uh, 21 season. It's pretty exciting, you know, all the hashtag free jerk that uh, our pal BCD seemed to permeate, and um, the transfer yeah. from Notre Dame. He's in Coach Halfley. We talked about the. The, the recruit, uh, the cornerback, hotshot. Tell us a little bit about uh, your thoughts on on the new coach, uh, the new quarterback, uh, the kick-ass offensive line that's coming in. I mean, a lot of fun things to be excited about. Yeah, I, I think that if you want to start start at the top with with Jeff Halfley, I think totally different, um, a different mindset, a just different type of person than uh, than Steve Adazio. He's he's and I'm not it's not a knock on Steve. It's just he's a he's a younger guy with a different philosophy, very positive, very energetic, very open to listening and to others and getting their thoughts and feelings, but very, very positive guy who's just really pushes and he's a hard worker and from what I've heard is he's a very talented coach. 
uh, I think you're going to see that that kind of difference in the team this year. Uh, as for Phil, I think that that that's a huge part. I, I've said this, you know, if you've listened to any of the broadcasts for the last eight years, it's that position is so vital. And if you lack a, a massive playmaker at that position, you have to be so much better at all the other positions to make up for it. So um, I really think that they, if they, the talent that Phil can bring to that position really solidifies that offense. Isn't it something the way the transfer um, fluidity, if you will, has kicked in? Gosh, back in the day, no one really moved without unabashedly missing a full season. Right. Perhaps it's a good thing, and I think I'm leaning towards thinking it is a good thing. But Scott, how did uh, that you know fluidity? Uh, not to repeat myself, but how did it conti- how did it get so natural to transfer and so easy? Even though this one wasn't quite as easy, most of these transfers these days just happen. Why is that? Well, it, the, I think it originally started with Russell Wilson, um, and he left. West, uh, excuse me, North Carolina State to go to Wisconsin, and what happened is, is that once you're once you graduate, you get your undergraduate degree. Um, they technically you were allowed to to go somewhere else without the redshirt. Now you're getting some guys that are graduating early um, that may have redshirted, so now you get two years, and then you started getting some hardships that get added onto it. And there's always an addendum to the addendum to the addendum. Well, it makes a big it makes a big difference with um, you know Miami's got this the kid Derek King out of uh, Houston, who's an excellent quarterback, and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a great training ground too because you know they recruit two or three, five star quarterbacks, four star quarterbacks, and then they can kind of grow up under the tutelage of this guy for a year. So it, it really helps these programs. Yeah, and uh, you know Miami, for example. But they had struggled distancing in production at that position for the last couple of years. So now right. you get a veteran to come in and show these guys how to prepare what needs to be done and just basically lay a foundation for what it takes to be a successful quarterback. That can help them even if they do have to sit back and maybe not get the reps on the field that they got the year before. Right. So speaking of quarterbacks, I know um, you know, you're a very accomplished um, former quarterback and you're very, very – focused on analyzing quarterback play both in the NFL and throughout college. What are some of the differences um, between and what are some of the similarities between quarterback play, you know, back in the eighties, nineties, you know, up through now, it's clearly the position in all of sports, but uh, how has it changed and how has it stayed the same pro in college? Um, the biggest way in how it's become more complex so even back in the 80s there weren't as many coverages there weren't as many defenses that you had to prepare for the plays and being able to do that um, there's a lot more on the quarterback's plate uh, mentally that they have to be able to 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 get through um, I think the game has opened up because uh, some of the changes is there's not a lot of con not as much contact you don't have to worry about taking those big hits and and getting you know, busted up in the pocket like you used to and, and running the football. Um, whereas now, now you're able to run the football from that position a little more effectively than back in the day, because I think they're, the quarterbacks just aren't getting hit as much. So you're able to see some of these athletic quarterbacks shine while you're seeing the Lamar Jacksons of the world go out there and bring that success from the college game to the pros. I, I think that's the biggest thing you've noticed is the ability to bring the athletic quarterback and for coaches to adapt. I think so much of the NFL back in the in the 80s and 90s was we're, you know, we are a team. This is this is the system we run and we're going to fit 
the players into this system. We're going to, if you're, even if you're around peg, we're going to fit you into the square somehow. And that didn't really benefit guys because it didn't fit their skill set. I think now you're seeing teams adapting their styles to fit their personnel and the talents of their team. I think that's the biggest difference. The teams that have been able to adapt and, you know, obviously the Patriots are the biggest example, but teams that are able to adapt their system and scheme to fit the talents of the players they have are the ones that are successful. They're not just rigid and dogmatic in how they run their offense and defense. Well, uh, Josh, if you have a final question for Scott, then we'll wrap it up. Um, We're coming up against the time. This has been a blast. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Just, one last question. As far as your um, BC sports announcing career, sideline reporter, is that something that you see growing over time? You know, especially since now you've had the experience with Callahan podcast aside from your other career. Yeah. I mean, ideally I think I originally got in, you know, got into it for two reasons to stay close to the program and to see if something could happen. There's a ton of BC guys, as you see in the media in the national media, all over sports center. So, um, and and different ESPN uh, branches, so it, it's not a very easy thing to get into. Uh, I was fortunate to get this. Uh, I don't know if it's going to expand much. Uh, it's getting to that time now where my kids are getting older, and the travel for it is kind of tough. My wife's not super thrilled when I have to go away. So I th- I think uh, you know when you leave and you have to miss some kids, you know, hockey, football games, uh, those things kind of weigh in your to your factors as to whether you want to keep doing it. But uh, I enjoy doing it. I, I really, I, I'm very energized when I do the games. I love being close to the team and and feeling the, uh, meeting the kids and feeling the energy from the program. I think that's something that keeps me young. Uh, it's, and it's really fun, fun experience for me. I, I do really enjoy it. The one thing I do dislike is that every one of my friends and former teammates decides to text me during the game and complain about play calls or certain things that we're doing. Like I have some, I must say uh, I'm guilty of that. Over that. They love to do that. Too. What's that? I'm guilty of busting your chops and getting in the mix. Oh my God. Well, you're not the only one. I mean, my cell phone is going off. Constantly well, why, why, don't, why don't we just get it right out there? There's um, there's a former XFL player and um, brief time Dallas Cowboy named Dan Collins, who's a complete hot <laughs> ticket, but, uh, could be yeah. a nuisance on those Saturdays. And then there's the next um, Chicago Bear and New England Patriots, Scotty Dragos, both fellow commercial real estate brokers in my my little world, great guys and yep. former uh, roommates of Mute, and uh, they like to give the business. Uh, is that safe to say? To give the business is the understatement of the world. You're going to add a whole bunch of other former teammates to, to that <laughs> list because – they always want me to ask hard biting questions coming off the field at halftime. And I'm like, do you really, really think that I'm going to be asking like, why, you know, you do these things like on fourth and two, why didn't you do this? Or why did you run this play? It's like, that's not the time or the place for that. Um, but I definitely get asked and blamed for everything. The blaming part is my favorite is that it's like, I have some say that like I can go into the coaching booth and call a different defense or call a different play. That's my favorite. That's the one I love the most. That well, just leaves me shaking my head. Well, listen, Scott Mutrin, it, it's been a pleasure. Josh, Dave, and I appreciate having you on. Um, we wish you the best with more um, slots on Jerry Callahan's podcast. And can't wait to hear you, John Mita Perel and Pete Cronin, um, call them the BC football games on the radio dial. And uh, very exciting. Thank you, Mute. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Mute. That was Bye-bye. great. A reminder to subscribe to the Josh JP Philosophy (laughs) on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast. 
Josh and JP Philosophy is a production of pod617.com for information on how to get in touch with your hosts. Just check the show notes of this or any episode. Thanks for listening. share it with a friend or a colleague in your network who would be interested. The show is supported by Red Dome Realty and Legacy Financial Group. For more information on these organizations and how to get in touch with your host, check the show notes of this podcast. Thanks for listening.